Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Scott Mater, and you can find him at inspiredstewardship.com forward slash broken. He's got a special gift for you there. Now, in 2011, Scott and his wife, Carrie, took inspired stewardship as a business to serve Christian men and couples that are struggling to live out their calling. They work to help align the way you use your time, your talent, and your treasures so that you can identify and live a fully authentic Christian life that allows you to authentically live your calling, serve others, and provide for your own family. Now, as certified human behavior uh, consultants and members of the John Maxwell team, they focus on helping you understand yourself, understand others, and through that understanding, build the kingdom. In 2017, they took the business full-time, offering assistance through one-on-one coaching, speaking, and workshops. Again, Scott Mater. You can find him at inspiredstewardship.com. Scott, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and fill in some of the gaps in that intro. Just take about a minute or two. Sure, Joseph. Um, first off, it's great to be here. I, I'm anxious to pour in and give some, some value to your listeners, share a little bit of our journey. So yeah, obviously that kind of bio, it leaves out a lot of the in-betweens. Uh, so I actually started my career back as a school teacher. I went to college, became a school teacher for 16 years. Then I went into corporate work for about 11 years, led a team of about 20 directors who then had people reporting to them. So I had a team of about 150 people that reported to me. I loved teaching. I loved the corporate gig. I'm not one of these people that transitioned out of the career because, oh yeah, you hate everything about the career. So you got to leave your job. I loved it. But what I loved more and where I really felt my calling was around this area of coaching and developing others. I did coaching as a teacher. I did coaching when I was in corporate. And as I began to recognize that, you know, my mom will tell you the story of, yeah, Scott, you've been a coach since you were eight years old, dude. Um, you just didn't call it coaching. And so we began to develop the business to pivot out of it. That, of course, came with a lot of financial worry, a lot of financial concerns. You know, how are we going to do that? I left a corporate career where I was a highly compensated employee to launch a coaching business, which the average coach makes about $35,000 a year. So it's kind of like, whoops, you know, how are you going to do that? So it, needless to say, we had a lot of uh, intense discussions and work to set things up so that we could actually go out and do what we felt we were called to do. Got it. So I like you opened up some things there, right? But before we go there, take a minute, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life or ministry life actually know. Well, the, the most personal thing I can share that really few people know is the the truth is, you know, I think, how shall I put this? We all have those moments in our journey where we doubt, where we feel like, you know, this is not what we're supposed to be doing. Why have I done this? 
I, and my joke, and it's really not a joke, is I only have those moments on days that end in Y. Uh, other than that, I don't have them. So people see and see that I'm successful because I, 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 I mentor other coaches, I work with other people in developing their business and they see you as, hey, you're confident, you know what you're doing, you know, you've done this well. And yet I have all of those same doubts, those same imposter syndrome moments, those same fears, those same concerns of, you know, is this going to work this time? Are they going to figure out that I really don't know what I'm talking about? And so that, that feeling of imposter syndrome, I think, is something that we all fight with and it's so real. But I think a lot of times we see someone who's doing what we see as successful and we assume that that means they don't have that feeling. Mm. How do you coach people through that? I'm just so curious there. <laughs> yeah, it's coaching people through anything is really about asking questions more than it is about making statements. So there's exercises you can do, like for instance, one of the exercises, and this is one anyone can do, just listen to this, follow directions, you can try it, is beginning to identify your limiting beliefs. And limiting beliefs are something that we believe are true and they limit us in some way that doesn't necessarily mean they are true. So a feeling of, you know, people won't ever buy this from me. People won't ever support me in my journey. Uh, no matter what I do, I can't provide for my family. You know, these are, are different grain sizes, but those are the different kinds of beliefs that we have embedded in us. So one of the exercises is just start dumping those out, do a brain dump. Everything that you believe is true that's negative on the left-hand side of a piece of paper. And then take the right-hand side of the piece of paper and try to turn it around into an enabling truth. Find something from your history, something from your belief system, something from what you've seen in others, something from what a mentor or a coach points out to you, and write that as an enabling statement. And then begin to read through those statements every single morning, not the limiting belief side, the truth side. So it's, it's really a matter of an exercise like that isn't really about you know, me telling you, hey, that's not true. You're, you're not an imposter. You're good at what you do. It's about helping your mind identify and create a new set of self-talk, a new set of words that you tell yourself. Because I don't know about anyone else, but I talk to myself and I'm not really nice to myself. <laughs> you know, Most of us aren't. I once asked a room full of 500 people, how many of you have a voice inside your head that talks to you about what you do? Every hand went up. I said, how many of you is that voice nice and tells you good things? And every hand went down. You know, it, most of us have that negative self-talk. And so you're rewriting that script so that when that negative voice shows up, you have a voice to counter it. You have the ability to talk back to it and go, wait a minute, that may not be true. Here's something that I see as true instead. And let me try that. Got it. So that's a great exercise, BC Nation, for you to take on. And I'm very familiar with that one, especially in the business world, right? Mm -hmm. That's a lot of personal development, self-help, et cetera. Scott, why is this important for Christians? To really get a hold of that negative self-talk, get a hold of those limiting belief systems, how mm -hmm. does that actually impact their faith walk? How does that impact their uh, spiritual growth? Why, why is that important? Why do, they, why do we need to actually care about this as Christians? So as Christians, I think a lot of times we think of ourselves as being called to perfection. And, and we are called to take a journey you know, John Wesley, I, I'm a Methodist, and John Wesley says on to perfection, you know, moving on to perfection. The rest of that sentence though is, and you haven't gotten there yet, you know, and you've never gotten there yet. I don't care what's happened in your life. You've still not gotten there. And it's this idea of recognizing that we're on a journey. You know, it's a process, not an event of constantly re-identifying ourselves, re-identifying ourselves in Christ and how we are created and enabled by God to do things uniquely. And as we do that, we begin to simultaneously recognize our self-worth, but also begin to identify a way of remaining with humility and remaining in a relationship where it really is, you know, God first, others second, us third, 
And yet we're okay with that because we're still worthy. You know, it's, I think a lot of times out of those limiting beliefs comes a fight where we need to be the smartest person in the room. We need to be the best at something. We need to put that face forward and wear that mask so that no one sees through it and recognizes that we're just as broken as they are. And in fact, more broken. Uh, that, that humility allows us to talk to people who are on that journey from a very different place. So it's no longer, you know, well, I've got it all together. It's more, you know, I, I'm on this journey too and I'm figuring it out as I go. Why don't you walk with me and I'll walk with you. Mm, that's powerful. Thank you. Now, this is something that comes up for me, right? I named my show Broken Catholic, <laughs> right? Um, so I really identify with what you just said, that we're all broken in some way, right? We're, we come short of perfection because only God is perfect. We are mm -hmm. called to strive for it, right? And uh, strive towards God, towards perfection, right? However, um, I know there's some Christians out there that you know, say, well, no, once I was saved, I mean, now I'm God's uh, perfect creation in Jesus, right? He makes me perfect. So right. I don't like using broken. I, I don't identify with that broken. What would you say to them? What are they missing there? I, I actually know somebody that refuses to sing the word, the words to amazing grace because it has a wretch like me in it. Um, yeah. And they're like, you know, I'm not a wretch. I'm, I'm a, I'm a holy person. And I would say you're a hundred percent right. And you're a hundred percent wrong. And this is the weird thing. I, I've, I've got this phrase that I use in, in my own when I'm talking to other Christians that I don't know that this is right. I'm not a, you know, I haven't studied, I haven't gone to seminary. I'm not a theologian, but it's how I wrap my head around it, which is a lot of times we try to set things up to be either, or, you know, either you are made perfect in Christ or you're broken, but where God operates is in a both and space. You are both made whole in Christ and perfect and <laughs> broken and a sinner it's not an either or we set up these false dichotomies and it's just because that's how that's how we're made you know that's how our, we're wired this way that we like to see it clear black white no gray and yet god often operates in the gray in our life that's you know god shows up everywhere but at least for me that's when i feel god showing up the most is when i start rec recognizing that my attempts to classify things is me trying to put God in a box, you know, and there isn't a box big enough to put God into. That is so well said. I agree with you completely. It's a this and that mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to our, our faith. And you're right. We do try to humanize God so that we can <laughs> understand. We him. can't wrap our heads around yeah, it. You know? Yeah. But uh, the, the problem, as you're identifying, when we try to make God small enough for us to understand, he's no longer that version of God that we created, we created is mm -hmm. no longer worthy of worship. Right. Cause he's too small. Right. When in yeah. fact, God is so big, we can't understand him. And I think this is where we come across uh, with pride. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we really have to wrestle pride because we want to understand God. We want to get him. We want to know what he's up to. We want to know the plan for our life. We want to know. Right. And it's this I, I, I type of way of being, or I don't want to be broken. I was saved. I used to be broken. Now I'm not broken anymore. And Scott, I think you're so right. It's like, listen, if you're not broken, then you're not in need of a savior. Right. Then Jesus coming to earth is a mockery. Well, it's unnecessary. It's yeah, unnecessary. It's, it's Why would he have done that? You know, so belittled it. Exactly. So thank you for going there. Um, I appreciate that because that clears up some things, right? Because I agree with you. We go either left extreme or right extreme. I mean, right. look at the state of the United States right now as an example, <laughs> right? Could you get any more clear there? All right. So let's go back in time just for a moment here. And throughout your whole life, I want you to uh, just do this little exercise with me. Just go in like a sniper. Uh, look back on your life. And I want you to just target that one moment 
give us one example, one story of where you really, really, really uh, struggled to get what God was up to in your life to the point of maybe you felt he abandoned you or to the point of you didn't want to um, be with him, spend mm -hmm. time with him. You didn't like what he's up to. You disagreed with him. Do you have a story for us? Absolutely. What do you so got? to, to share, you know, again, an example of this, you're either all in or all out kind of either or thinking. So I was raised in a Methodist home. I was raised with a, a, you know, Christian family. I literally was thinking about going to seminary. I, I was exploring whether I had a call to seminary. And I had a couple of experiences in high school where I recognized for one that, you know, my father was held up as this pillar of the community. And yet I was in the household and knew that he was actually an alcoholic, abusive of my mother, you know, this sort of thing. And, and you know, here he was a, a Christian pillar of the community. I began to recognize, I began to look and explore other modes of belief. You know, so mm -hmm. I was reading the Quran and I was reading other books and just exploring it as an intellectual exercise. And from that, I got told by many Christians that, you know, just by the act of even thinking about knowing what other people believed, I was automatically going to hell. That you, you could not study or understand or have a conversation with. You know, so I went and attended other churches that were in town, you know, not as a, I'm feeling called to go to them, but I wanted to actually be able to have a conversation with people from other faiths and not feel like, you know, I'm like, mine's right and yours is wrong. And I got told that that was wrong. And that meant I would, you know, automatically uh, be condemned to hell. And so I left the church. I, mm -hmm. I left God. I was angry. I felt like, you know, God's people were hypocritical and therefore God was hypocritical. Um, I felt like this whole idea of, of religion and belief was wrong. I went to college. I actually have degrees in science. I have a degree in biochemistry, a degree in genetics. I was trained as a science thinker and I became an atheist for about 22 years. Mm. Um, my, my wife will tell you I was an agnostic towards the end of it, you know, where I wasn't, I, I returned to doubting as opposed to just believing that God didn't exist. And later on, I had some turning points that I'm, I'm sure we'll explore that changed that. But for, you know, for 22 years, I did not set foot in a church. I did not uh, do any sort of prayer life, any sort of spiritual development intentionally. I was really angry that God and everything that God had set up on earth was false and a false teaching. Um, mm -hmm. And it was from a couple of events, you know, right as I was going to college, right before I went to college, where I, you know, I saw the, the hypocrisy of the church and felt that that meant God was hypocritical as well. So I know atheists. I'm friends with them. I am too. I have conversations with them. And I really am curious as to, hey, how did you get to that conclusion? And I'm friends with agnostics as well. Mm -hmm. And I think what you're saying is very real that many non-Christians believe Christians are hypocrites mm -hmm. and some of the biggest in the world. And for that reason, they want no part of a relationship with this is God you worship when you all act completely different in your home lives mm -hmm. right? than what you say you believe and what Jesus taught, which is, I think, evidence of our brokenness going back, you know, <laughs> full circle right there. Um, do you think that Christians are hypocrites and that atheists and agnostics and non-Christians are wrong for thinking we're hypocrites? I think there's some, I mean, I, I don't think they're wrong. I think there's truth to that, but I think it's also comes from a misunderstanding of, of two things. You know, one, 
you know, God's people can make mistakes and be hypocritical, and that doesn't make God the hypocrite or God making the mistake. So one is we have free will. And so, yes, are there Christians that act in ways that are completely against anything they profess to believe? Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, turn on the news for about three months and you'll probably hear at least one story, you know, if you're, if you're looking for it. it. It happens all the time. So it's not that it's not true. It's that, at least for me, what I came to understand was I was making a false comparison in that I presumed if God's people were hypocritical, it meant God was hypocritical. It meant mm. that the beliefs that were set up were wrong. And that is a different step. So let me jump in there and we'll call that a limiting belief that Absolutely. you had. Yes. Um, how did you uh, let go of that limiting belief or reframe that to where you then came back into the church all in? So I had a couple of experiences. One was I began to recognize that if there was a perfect church out there with perfect people in it, they wouldn't let me in anyway. You know, I, I wasn't anywhere close to making those entrance requirements that obviously God's church had to be made up by imperfect people because all people are imperfect. So it was coming to that realization of our, our common humanity of being broken and being imperfect and just trying to do the best you can with what you know and what you can do. The other was I had a, a period where my wife and I had financially struggled. And this is one of the reasons I work with people on money is because I found that you know, money keeps us from, from God as surely as anything else, where we had gotten into a lot of debt. We were having you know, marital problems. I began to contemplate suicide because of it. Uh, I used to drive home on this long curved windy road and a radio show came on, they changed the lineup and it was Dave Ramsey's show out of Tennessee talking about getting out of debt suddenly came on when I was driving home. And let me tell you, that really ticked me off. Um, I used to yell at that radio show because it's like, what are you talking about? People can live without debt. People can get out of debt, all of this sort of thing. But then I began to recognize that instead of, instead of hearing this call to suicide, I was hearing that maybe I need to open my eyes and re-examine myself and my own beliefs and, and my own feelings with, with God and with that journey. And as I did that, we returned to the church, my wife and I, and we began to get reinvolved. And at the same time, we began to get out of debt and to get our financial life in order and to begin to communicate better. And you know, all of these things happened together. And it's because I began to recognize my own brokenness and the fact that others were broken too. And so it wasn't hypocrisy as much as it was humanity that I was seeing. And I was labeling it hypocrisy. Mm. I think you said that so well. I'm going to ask a real raw, vulnerable question, if you're willing. Sure. Bas yeah, the story you just shared, right? You're the, the man of the home. You're the spiritual leader called by God in, in your marriage. Yet you had fallen away from God and from his church. Mm -hmm. And we tend to take our wives and kids with us, right? They love us. They follow us, even if it's good, even if it's not good. At, at what point um, did you, let me reframe my question here. I want to ask this question because I see so many men not take up the leadership in their home and they put it on their, their wives. At what point did you stop relying on yourself to fix it all? The debt, the suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. and start relying on God and his strength to come in and guide you and then you guide your family. Is that a clear question? I, I think so. Um, and I'll, I'll take a stab at answering it and you tell me if I, I went the wrong direction here. But you know, I, again, I think it was all in the same moment. It was, 
it was when I began to recognize the humanity of what was going on around me. I, I began to recognize that there were people that were better off than I was. There were people that were worse off than I was. There was, uh, you know, people within the church who were doing the best they could in an imperfect world. There was the fact that it, it was when I basically recognized that there was a God and I'm not it, that I was able to step back and give that over and have the humility. Because I think with leadership comes this feeling sometimes of, you, know, you have to have all the answers. You have to be the perfect person. You have to know, and you see this in whether it's a corporate leadership position, a family leadership position, a church leadership position, it doesn't matter. And it was beginning to reframe my mind around the fact that number one, yes, I'm the leader of my family, but I'm also not. If God is the leader of me, then God is also the leader of my family. He's just given over to me this ability to manage it. It's that stewardship concept. And as I began to recognize and understand and study what, what it truly meant to be a steward of everything that I've been given, and I gave up ownership, and that includes of me, of my mind, of my heart, of my soul. Now, I again, not perfect about this. Trust me, I screw this up too. But that moment of recognizing that lack of ownership is that moment of humility where you can step back and go, you know, God's got this and I don't have to, I need to work at it, but I don't need to worry about it. And there is a dramatic difference between those two emotions. Uh, and it's not instantaneous either. It's not like it was a light switch switched and now all of a sudden everything's perfect. This too is a journey. You know, this too is a process. It doesn't happen in a straight line. It happens in herps and jerks. <laughs> I like that. And I, I think the way you just said that, it goes back to it's a this and that, yeah. right? God is the leader of your family. And BC Nation, if you're a dude listening to this episode right now, God is the leader of your home. Mm -hmm. And you are the human leader of your home. Right. It's this and that. It's both. You must be willing to be led by him so that you can lead them. Right. That's what it comes down to. And so many times, you know, we just have so much pride that I got to figure it out. I got to do it. I got to do it. Me, me, me. But we don't have all the answers. So then we feel like something's wrong with us. Right. right? And then it's all that negative self-talk, limited belief systems. Before we know it, we're thinking about suicide. I've been there. And it's really coming, comes down to that, you know, we're relying on self rather than him. And we're relying on our human strength, which is enough rather than his, which is enough. Mm -hmm. So thank you very much um, just for being real about that. Uh, because I think that speaks to a lot of men out there, especially yeah. um, who think they have to have it all figured out and they don't. It's good to be broken. <laughs> not, if, not only do you not have to have it all figured out, if you do have it all figured out, I, I, you don't. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like the act of believing you have it all figured out proves to me that you don't have it all figured out. <laughs> if it's a very sense. prideful position. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and God requires humility in his people and his sons and daughters. So BC Nation, if you feel broken and lost right now, or you don't have enough strength on your own, um, or you don't know the plan, or you don't think you could get up and, and fix it yourself, hey, welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to humanity. Scott just shared, he feels the same way. I feel yep. the same way. It's like, that's what's awesome about the gospel. That's the good news. You don't have to figure it all out your whole life. Your whole destiny is not on your shoulders. The weight of the world doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. You just have to take that act of faith to humble yourself and surrender it all to him. And then literally trust and believe that he's going to show up and take it. Or don't. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, at least stop being a hypocrite. <laughs> right? Don't, nice. <laughs> don't, don't wear the Christian badge if you don't believe it. Because so many of us are walking that lukewarm line, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm.
right? We don't actually believe that God is going to take over. We think he's going to let us down. I say it all the time to a lot of clients I work with. I'm like, listen, listen, you're just like me, man. You love God, but you don't trust him. Mm-hmm. Right? How many Christians do you know, Scott, that you can look at their life and go, oh, they love God, but they absolutely do not trust him. Not with their marriage, not with their finances, not with their parenting. Is this fair? Well, I've been there. Yeah, I, yeah. I will. I will point to myself. <laughs> you know, it, it comes out of a moment too of you know pride is part of it, and and honestly, in a, a very real way, the root of all sin is pride. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it really is, and I'm not the first person or the last person that will say that. But it's also this feeling of, again, I think lack of trust, like you just put it, is a really good way of of putting it because we love God, or at least we love the concept of God that we've stood up. We we kind of go to church or go to God, either one with this mindset of, it's almost like God is a cosmic vending machine, you know, out of, out of my prayer should come what I want. It's this feeling that your will supersedes, you know, as opposed to God, your will be done. It's God, my will be done. You know, it's this feeling that we can somehow control the universe. Yes. And honestly, if you're more than about four years old and you believe that you can control the universe, you haven't been paying attention um, because we don't, you know, I, I'll give a pass to extremely young children because they still believe that. And it's, you know, again, they're supposed to, that's okay. But most of us, by the time we're teenagers, we figured out, uh-uh, <laughs> you know, this is not the way the world works. So if that's true, then you kind of are stuck in this position of you can either believe that God is in control or you can believe that nothing's in control. And I'm not even going to criticize you for one over the other. That that's a personal journey. That's not for me to walk. But that's really kind of the only two choices that you end up with. Um, there isn't really a middle ground that I've been able to find, at least. Yeah, I think that's really well said. I call it your little control freak. Mm-hmm. I have one. You have one. We all have one. Um, most of the time, it plays in the shadow, but it literally runs our life, and it keeps us believing that it can fix everything worship it, give control to it rather than to God. And this is why most of us live in our heads and not in our hearts. Why? Mm -hmm. Because our little control freak lives in our head and God, Jesus lives in our heart. Mm -hmm. This is why we don't hear him in our life because we're, we're stuck in our head constantly with all the words We're yeah, we're listening to the wrong radio station. You know, that's what it comes down to. Scott, thank you for sharing your heart. Thank you for sharing your story. BC Nation, I really hope that inspires you in some way and and you get something out of Scott's journey here. Uh, He showed up humble and real and raw and he didn't hide anything and he didn't try to look good. And I really acknowledge him for that. Um, To me, that's a man that's walking humbly, you know, a surrendered son of the father. So uh, Scott, um, we're about to enter my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to uh, ask you... 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready, sir? Absolutely. Let's go. What's your favorite thing about God? The size. Yeah. How big he is, right? How big he is. Yeah. What's your least favorite thing about God? <laughs> uh, obedience, that he demands obedience, that uh, there's times where God tells me to do things that I'm really like, really? Wait, no, time out. <laughs> you know, you can't really have meant that. What are you most afraid of? Uh, I, now, and this is a different answer at different places in my life. Now I'm most afraid of failing to serve others the way I'm supposed to. Um, cause I don't still always know what that looks like. I'm still working on that. Mm. Got it. Well, if you don't know what it looks like, are you really failing? No, but it's still a worry. Um, yeah, you know, and, and it is a worry. That's, that's kind of one of the areas I've been digging into a lot right now with my mindset is, is this, why do I put this idea of I have to be perfectly serving others as opposed to, no, I have to be 
serving others. You know, yes. it's imperfectly that, that I'm putting in there. Yeah. Imperfectly serving as opposed to perfectly serving. And then relying on God to make it perfect or divinize it, it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a total shift in the head. Yeah. It, it's the moments where I've had a chance to preach and I, I do uh, sermons around the state and somebody comes up to me afterwards and tells me, you know, oh, it was so meaningful when you said fill in the blank. And I'm literally going, I didn't actually say that. You know, and I, you know, and I go back and listen to the recording later. If it's recorded, it's like, no, I actually never said that. You know, that's mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit showing up and translating my imperfect words into the perfect message that that person needed to hear. Wow. Well, well said. BC Nation, stop trying to be perfect. A perfect God does not require us to be perfect. <laughs> he requires us to be humble and relying on him. That's it. Anyone can do that. Scott, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life, which is part of the human condition. What are you currently struggling with right now, either professionally or personally? So personally, uh, I've been struggling with, so I'm an introvert and I'm one of these people that were, you know, co my, my business was already virtual. I already did everything virtual. So COVID and, and being able to work from home and all of this kind of didn't change any of that for me. And yet at the same time, I am struggling with the fact that, you know, for, I have some health problems that make it even more dangerous for me to be out and about and this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's finding that balance between being able to live my life and do what I'm called to do and, you know, go to church and support there and go do other things. And yet not being afraid, but being safe. And what does that look like for me and my family? And the truth is that journey, you know, that answer changes daily right now, weekly, moment by moment. Uh, but I've been struggling a lot with that. You know, am I feeling fear or because I don't think we're ever called to fear, feel fear or am I feeling, you know, responsible and doing what I've been called to do? And it, it's been a real struggle this year for me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of people can relate to you in that. What did you spend way too much time doing this year? So this last year, so 2020, um, I probably spent way too much time playing video games, truth be told. <laughs> okay, got it. That's my, I, that's my guilty pleasure. Is I wouldn't have guessed games. that with you. Yeah. Got it. All right. What secret fear do you have about people? <laughs> that they can see through you. Um, yeah, you know, that, that imposter they, syndrome. <laughs> it's the imposter syndrome again, like yep. I shared at the beginning. It's that feeling of, oh, nope, they know I'm just kind of, you know, making it up as I go along. Um, and, and what's funny is then I remember that that's probably okay if they do, um, but it's, it still comes up. It's still a, a secret fear. Got it. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? I think, you know, I had an understanding of God as a child and, and growing up and even into my college years. But again, I think it's coming back to what I shared earlier, recognizing that God's people and God are different and that to put God's people onto God is limiting God and that we can't limit God in any way, shape or form, that that's, that's the wrong mindset. And so if you find yourself doing that, you need to explore that because something's wrong, <laughs> you know, you, you got to back off from that somehow and explore and figure out how to change that belief. What's a new habit you want to create in your life? Right now, my wife and I are working on walking again. We've had a, we've had a walking habit in the past and, and 2020, we just kind of let it go. And so we're trying to rebuild that habit this year uh, in 2021 and, and go out to, we use that in part for that some of our spiritual time and our conversation time and our ability to kind of get out in nature and recharge our batteries. And, and last year we just did not follow through on it. And so we're trying to recreate that habit. That's awesome. I just played uh, football yesterday with, um, 19, 20, and 22-year-olds. And uh, I am feeling every part of my body today, my friend. I can tell you that. Uh, what's a bad habit you want to break? Um, hmm. So 
because I work a lot on my habits and so they're pretty dialed in, but even there, I think I still spend, there are times that I spend too much time quote doom scrolling. You know, this is getting onto Facebook, getting onto Twitter, getting onto whatever, and, and just kind of following the rabbit trails of the bad news, uh, whatever today's bad news is. And so I've been fighting against that. That's something that I've been focusing a lot on. How much time am I spending doing that versus how much time am I spending putting good stuff into my heart and good stuff into my brain? So I'm restarting a reading habit and, you know, some good. things like that. I've always read the Bible in the morning, but this is, you know, I'm trying to find other avenues to feed things into my head that aren't just, you know, looking at the negative posts that are out there and looking at the negative news that's out there. Scott, thank you for reminding of us of that as saint paul says it right put only good things in right words of right. encouragement hope you know faith wisdom all that and especially in these times bc nation do not put the fire hydrant of poison and negative thoughts in the news and the media it's just being propagated and just like it's not good for your soul it's not no. good for your spirit and it will don't do, never think that you can control it yep. you can't it's way more powerful than any one of us eventually it will win um, pick three words to describe who you are now scott Servant, called, and you know, showing it introspective. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> as, I'm, as I'm thinking through the, the word. Right, introspectively. <laughs> um, pick three words to uh, describe who you were before um, you realize that it's okay to be broken and non-perfect when it comes to God. Yeah, angry would be the first word. Uh, and the biggest one, um, frustrated and worried. Angry, frustrated, and worried. BC Nation, do you feel those three emotions right now? If so, you may want to play this episode again and see what you're missing and see how to get it. Scott shared it. Go back and listen. And last question, Scott, if you could come back to life after you died, look your family and friends in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about everything, what would you say to them? I would, I would say to them to get it in the right order. Um, recognize that God should be coming first in your life and in your heart, that others come second, and that you come third, and that does not make you less. That makes you more if you get it in that order. I love it. It allows God to enter your life in a powerful way, and he can do a lot more than we can. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about having an imperfect relationship with God versus not? I think... It, it is recognizing that, that no matter where you are in this journey, no matter what you believe or don't believe, no matter what church you attend or don't attend, that you're still a perfect being called to relationship with God. And out of that, out of God's perfection in that, your relationship with God, your relationship with others, and your relationship with yourself is enough. It, it is enough. Stop trying to make it perfect. Stop trying to make it what it isn't and just accept that where you are today is where you are today uh, and that that is enough you you are still loved you are still wanted you are still a perfect being in your imperfection i like it i remember a friend said it to me this way like perfectly imperfect mm -hmm. god is the perfect part i'm the imperfect part but have a perfectly imperfect relationship with him right that's a beautiful thing. All right. We're speaking with Scott Mater. Scott, where can BC Nation get in touch with you if they so choose? You put up a, a special page for them. What, sure do you, what do you got for them? So if you go to inspiredstewardship.com slash broken, 
uh, there's a, some free resource guides. You can sign up there. There's one in time. There's one in talent. There's one in treasures. There's also at the bottom of the page, if you scroll down, you can set up a 30 minute call with me. If anyone has questions about anything we've talked about today, if, if you're on this journey yourself and, and stuck in a place and you just need somebody to talk to for 30 minutes, feel free to reach out. Um, that's, there's no charge. That's no obligation. I'm not going to try to sell you anything. Um, we'll just have a conversation and, and go from there. Uh, but I would encourage folks if they're struggling in those specific areas of time, talent, and treasures and kind of their stewardship around those grab the free resources they're free um it's about a five-day series that comes out over five weeks that'll just kind of help you do some of those exercises like the one we talked about earlier awesome scott mater thank you for being on broken catholic i wish you god's love peace and joy in your life my friend thank you i'm blessed to have been here and i hope that uh, this has blessed you and blessed your listeners today and thank you again for inviting me BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and I'll see you right back here next week.